0: Welcome back to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. A fine time for healing is a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. Are you an alienated parent, or do you know someone that is? Are you an alienated grandparent, or know someone that is? Do you even know what parental alienation is? Today, you're going to learn about this horrific trend that is happening all over the globe and just destroying the lives of of families and children and parents and everything like that. And today we have with us somebody who knows this firsthand. Um, David R. Schubert, is a left behind and alienated parent who has been fighting to be in his daughter and stepson's lives for over 15 years now. He understands the dynamics involved in the mental and emotional aspects that all alienated parents are forced to endure. After becoming disillusioned with the family courts, he decided to take matters into his own hands to promote awareness on the various social media outlets. And now he has a blog uh, and a book that we're going to talk about because this is very recent. Uh, Dave has been supporting people through this for, for many, many years. Good morning, Dave. Welcome.
1: Good morning. How are you today?
0: Good. How are you?
1: Very well. And thank you for having me on your show this morning.
0: Sure. My pleasure. Um, so I've known you for a long time, Dave, um, we've been back and forth and I know that this is a passion of yours because it really hits close to home. So tell us, um, you tell us your, this, your story basically in your words.
1: Well, like everybody, um, I wound up uh, meeting and getting roped into the wrong person to have in my life. And after about six years of marriage, uh, this uh, person, um, without warning, uh, abducted both my stepson, who I had been uh, raising since he was a toddler, but also my biological daughter, and fled overseas to another country. Now, when that first happened uh, back in 2007, I really didn't know what to do, much like most parents. I mean, how do we get our children back? And I remember when it first uh, occurred, I I called up the police, the sheriff's department, actually. And I told them when I found out that they were uh, leaving the country, I said, hey, you guys need to get over to the airport with Denver International Airport. And if you've ever flown in there, it's very large. And what they told me standing in my living room, they says, you know what, even if we did get lucky enough to find uh, uh, your wife and your children, There's nothing we can do about it. I said, what do you mean there's nothing you can do about it? They said, well, she could tell us that she has a constitutional right as the mother to take her children on vacation, and you can't stop me. Well, I told them, I said, that's not true. I said, there is no divorce proceedings. There is no uh, court orders uh, uh, allowing her to do this. Do your job. They said, we can't. Well, I found out a few months later that was not true. Law enforcement are not trained in areas of how to negotiate with these kind of situations. They're used to bank robbers. They're used to, uh, you know, other types of crimes, things like that, but not when it comes to family laws in cases of parental abductions. So anyways, finally, about four months into this, after uh, they'd already been gone, I did learn I did have certain rights uh, to bring my children back. And through the assistance of the Office of Children's Issue, who is part of the U.S. Department of State, uh, an application was lodged uh, with the Hague Convention, which doesn't do just uh, criminal courts for these uh, international leaders. It also involves the aspect of children who have been wrongfully abducted by a parent and taken overseas. So We lodged that. It took 13 months of uh, fighting internationally. But what had happened was I got an order of return in December of 2008. I'm ecstatic. But the ex-wife uh, by then, uh, she filed an appeal, which she was later on, it was denied. And that took an additional five months. So I was out of the children's lives uh, for a total of uh, 16 months during that process. But by the time they did make it back to the United States, It didn't grant me uh, custody. It just says, hey, the children were wrongfully removed. This order needs to be held in, uh, or this situation needs to be held in the family courts of where the children were raised. So they come back. By then, it had been exactly two years uh, to the month of how long the children had been gone. The judge, in my case, swept aside every piece of uh, damning evidence against my ex-wife from the abduction and everything else, the uh, threat of my never seeing uh, or talking to the children again, unless I paid her a certain amount of money, bought her a car, and the list goes on and on. Well, he goes, well, it concerns me about this, but um, I have misgivings about that. However, um, and in the end, he goes, "What it's in the children's best interest because they've been gone so long. I'm going to let the mother keep the children and return to the the country where they were just ordered from. Yeah. I, when that happened, I slapped my hand uh, so hard in my forehead. I think the people down the hall heard it, because and I just shook my head. You know, going, what kind? What was this judge thinking? What was he drinking in his water that morning? Was he on drugs? That he uh, did this. You know, because I knew. The moment he issued those orders, she was gonna fulfill her threat of me never having any contact with the children, and she was gonna get the children to forget who I am. That happened. I was right. We later on, um, because she disobeyed every order, not just one or two, but every order the court issued her, when given that second chance, we had four contempt hearings, which she never bothered to appear even over the phone, You know, and she was notified about him. We finally went into modification in, uh, I believe it was October of 2011. They wound up uh, reversing their prior orders and awarding me sole custody of the children. of Both of them, not just my biological, but my uh, stepson also, because I was deemed psychological parent of him. He was ordered to bring the children back. However... Much like her, uh, the other orders that she uh, was issued, she failed to obey this one as well. So I was still back at square one. I, I had uh, on paper custody orders, but yet I didn't have my children, and so the alienation from the day that they had uh, left in two thousand and nine was in full force. And I don't know what the children were being told about them—the lies, the manipulation. False uh, implanting of memories that never happened. I don't know. Um, I know that uh, the alienation was there, and it was a severe uh, uh, aspect of it.
0: Do you? Um, do you? So, for those who don't know what parental mm-hmm. alienation is, can you just give it? Give us a brief definition or summary of it.
1: You betcha, and I'll define both aspects. Parental alienation is where. Uh, One parent will do everything in their power through lies, manipulation, uh, as I mentioned, uh, the implanting of false memories, uh, bad-mouthing the other parent, whatever it takes to turn the child away from the target parent, or even try to get them to forget who they are. Now, a left-behind parent is someone whose former spouse or partner abducted the children And took them to another jurisdiction, and that could be across town, it could be across state lines, it could be internationally. So that's the difference. Parental alienation left behind, um, left behind parents. Basically on that, um, most times alienation comes into play, and when it does, it's a much more severe case of it.
0: I can't imagine what going through something that you went through and you know and what you've what you learn as you go through this process is. there's really no no legal. um, support for the victim of this there's just you know you can't make these alienators do anything or these left behind you know parents do anything these abductors. Um, it's real hard and I know you're you're still pushing this.
1: Well, I am. Uh, I'm pushing the issue. Now my uh, daughter, she did find me uh, because uh, of all my postings I do on social media. They were not just uh, helping me to heal inside when I would write my reflection articles, um, but at the same time they were showing support and solidarity for all alienated and left behind parents. But The third part of that is it was a a way of leaving breadcrumbs on the the internet. Well, by doing that, excuse me, by doing that, my daughter uh, one day became uh, curious about me. And she reached out to me through Facebook and says, uh, you know, uh, I think I'm your daughter. Well, much probably like you, we get a lot of uh, crank type. Uh, messages on social media. And it's like, "Uh uh-huh, right. Uh, If you are, I'm going to ask you a series of questions that only my daughter would have the answer to. And I did. And she answered each of them correctly. And I knew it wasn't one of these trolls that are out there uh, trying to mess with my head. Because let's face it, them trolls, uh, their main goal is to cause chaos and heartache. But in my case, with this situation, my daughter uh, had found me and I was ecstatic. We carried on conversations uh, via Facebook uh, Messenger, but she had to be very careful because her mother was monitoring her activities that I would later find out anyway. So the time came, uh, she uh, messaged me and says, hey, I'd like to come back to the United States. Can you help me? of course i mean what am i going to say i mean it's like a dream come true after all those years i knew i had sole custody uh uh, you know in the court orders of colorado and uh you know that allowed me to go ahead and write up a letter get her plane tickets and i made sure that she had all this stuff with her boom she was on a plane like lickety split (laughs) and she got back here you know So that was a nice uh, thing, but you have to understand after years of uh, alienation and uh, mental and emotional abuse that is is, uh, put upon our children, I'm not going to lie. There's issues, you know, it affects them. You know, and she's no different.
0: Right. So it really wasn't all you hoped it would be. Although I know you, um approached her arrival with some skepticism because you really weren't sure what you were what you were going to get because you know working with parents for so many years you understand what happens to these children so let's talk a little bit about that um let's talk about an alienation um Mm -hmm. and i'm a narcissistic abuse expert and coach and so what I see in with alienation is pretty much, there's a narcissistic parent who wants to win or beat the other parent at the game and basically destroy them. And when they lose control over their spouse, because that spouse is now leaving them, they have to do something to control them. And so they weaponize their children. Mm -hmm. And they use them to fight this battle. Um, And it's very, very, sad isn't even the word, because it it destroys parents to lose these children. And generally, the abductor is the abuser. And the parent fighting to keep the kid is the good parent who's sacrificed everything to love those children. Has that been your experience, Dave?
1: Oh, yeah yeah i mean don't get me wrong i get some people that uh that uh, come out and uh, claim to be the victim and after a number of conversations i find out that's not the case that they just happen to get caught and now uh, when their children uh, are now with the target parent and uh, uh, you know per the court orders Now they're going, well, I was wrong and I'm the victim and uh, my child is like, no, if you uh, really loved your child, you would have uh, done one thing, allow your child to know and love both parents, you know, but that doesn't happen, unfortunately.
0: It doesn't. And this has been a problem that has gone on for a very, very long time. And it is an international problem. It's, an, it's mm-hmm. an issue everywhere. And um, it seems as if the courts and the therapists and maybe even there's most attorneys. I know there are all there's judges and therapists and attorneys who specialize in this and get it. But for the most part, we're going to just say for the most part, they don't know what they're looking at when they see it, do they?
1: No, they don't. Um... You know, the judges especially, um, they're not educated in what parental alienation is. They just have heard the term. And the thing about uh, with the courts, uh, with these judges, even though they're not educated on what it uh, uh, really involves, they hate the word parental alienation because they think it demonizes or whatever the other parent. And it doesn't. Parental alienation, they like to now use Hostile, aggressive parenting or gatekeeper or whatever these fancy terms are that they choose for that moment. And that's not the way it is. They need to go back and uh, dust off their dictionary and pull up the word parental and then look up alienation. Put them both together and they'll find out that parental alienation, the term of it, is exactly what uh, they need to be recognizing. Now, the funny thing is about the courts also is that I blame them almost as much as I blame the alienator for what's happening. And the reason I say that is that these judges are meant to take an oath of office when they go in there. And I'll read you exactly what their oath is, because <clears throat> it says each justice or judge of the United States shall take the following oath or affirmation before performing the duties of his office. It says, I so-and-so do solemnly swear that I will administer justice with without respect to persons and uh, do equal right to the poor and to the rich, and that I will faithfully and impartially discharge and perform all the duties in coming upon me under the Constitution and laws of the United States, so help me God. Now they also take a code of conduct where they uh, can, conf- uh, uh, you know, state that they will perform the duties of the office fairly, impartially, and uh, diligently. Unfortunately, not all judges take their oath uh, uh, serious, nor do they follow that code of conduct because if they did we wouldn't be having these problems that we do. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some great judges out there, you know, that do believe in the unity and sanctity of families, but there's a lot more of them that, you know, it's just a job to them and they come, they bring their biases and prejudices and idiotic ways of thinking into the courtroom and they're destroying families. Yes, and then they right. use as best interest standards there's nothing more than hollow words to take up empty spaces on a court order
0: and they often side with the parent that they like better so the, the alienator is usually someone who is able to charm the judge <clears throat> or put on an act of being the ideal parent um and they look really good and generally the targeted parent is upset and they don't look so good they're they're not presenting as well and mm-hmm. you know judges have this docket all day long they got one after the other after the other and so you don't really get their full attention they just want to get through the case make a decision but most of the time they get it wrong, and so do the other officers of the court, like the GALS, the guardian ad litems, the um, parent coordinators, and um, all the people that you know are supposed to help. Um, even child protective services, they all tend to get it wrong, don't they, Dave?
1: They do. They do because they, uh, like you say, they've all they've all got their own biases and prejudices, and lack of knowledge in the cases and like you say they want to get through the situation with expediency that means rushing through it and that's why I've always uh, pounded my fist on my desk uh, saying we need to take family courts into the same area as what criminal courts are conducted and that means that if you say something in the court Make an accusation, whatever you better be prepared to back it up with hard evidence. If not, it's going to be tossed out. You could be charged with perjury, could result in a fine, could result in jail time, could be a combination of both. But instead, family courts go by the old adage of "he or she who lies first is believed," and I know that these uh, narcissists, uh, people with uh, other underlying mental health issues. They know how to lie. They're great actors, you know, and hell, they could uh, uh, go to you and in a closed in room and say, you know, th- today the sky is purple and without even thinking or checking, you're going to believe them, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's what these judges do is like, well, you know, I'm not mandating that um, they tell the truth, but I'm going to believe them because you know what? hey, that's a nice looking woman, or hey, that's a handsome man. I like the sound of their voices. I like the way they're uh, looking at me. You know, they're human.
0: Yeah, and and this is where the attorney comes in, because you have to have an attorney that understands uh, this choreography (laughs) in the court and is prepared, because what I've learned is that defending, uh, going to court, against a narcissist an alienator any of any of those um, it's about strategy not about law
1: it is also um, you know about how they interact with the judge now mm-hmm. I know my last uh, attorney that I have um, my the one before that who did a miserable job I didn't have the money at the time and uh, what had happened was I want to finding the cheapest attorney I could, unfortunately, off of Craigslist. Never go with the Craigslist attorney. I found that one out. And when he uh, did such a bad job, I wound up uh, finding ways to get the money. It cost me a lot more in the end, but, uh, you know, it worked out well. I What I did is I found someone who had a low law license, someone who'd been practicing in front of these judges in my area for a number of years, Someone who had knowledge of uh, family law in the way that was needed. For Further, he also knew how to present the the case to the judge in such a manner as that, you know, the mother, you know, in this case, and I'm not blaming just mothers, because fathers do the same stuff. Right. Okay, but in my case, uh, the showed that the mother was not going to obey any of the orders, was not going to do what was uh, in the best interest of the children. and He basically talked to the judge like he was sitting across the table having coffee with her, um, you know, like friends. And that was a good way for him to go ahead and talk to her. She responded and says, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and reverse this. You've got sole custody of both the kids. I hope you have. wish you the best of luck in getting it back here. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, um, for those who are watching and are confused about the court system, Family court system is not part of the U.S. judicial system. You know, you don't have the same rights in these courts, um, and you you have no right to a jury trial. The judge is the judge, jury, executioner. They they make the decision, and if they're having a bad day or they're swayed or whatever, it can go really bad. And uh, I always tell people, you know, one of the first things I do is I evaluate, uh, t- tell me about your lawyer, <laughs> because I can tell immediately if the lawyer gets it or they don't get it. And there's many lawyers who will not admit to not being equipped to handle something like this and they take it on. And then when they f- realize they're in over their head, Then they tell the client, you you just need to settle. This isn't going to happen for you. This isn't working. Uh, You need to settle. And then, you know, the person does not get the uh, the advice and support that they need. So there are attorneys throughout the United States and I would imagine throughout the world that specialize in this. And you must have this kind of attorney. Most people, Dave, go the cheap route first thinking they're going to save money. It costs you more in the long run.
1: It does. And the reason it costs you more is number one, they, uh, they're trying to figure out things as they go along instead of already having that knowledge in in, at their fingertips. The other thing is that, okay, I'm only charging my client $250 an hour. How do I extend that so I can make more money? So what they do is that they will purposely extend their, uh, uh time with you uh extend when the next court dates are and try to get more court dates and things like that instead of uh, spending that extra money and getting someone who knows how to do their job that believes in their client believes in helping their client especially the children you know going with a cheap lawyer yeah i don't recommend that Mm -hmm. because it will cost you more in time and especially money
0: Mm -hmm. exactly exactly Uh, And often it is like in your case, the attorney is the one that explains this to the judge because it needs to be explained. They don't necessarily get it. And even if they've heard it before, every case needs to be explained in terms of um, this kind of manipulation and and hostage taking and brainwashing and all of that. It's it's just awful. so I know that um, you just started a blog. What is what is your blog called?
1: A Parenting Affair. You know, uh, we're still in the infancy stages of it. And we're still adding to it, uh, but it's getting there. Um, you know, but it's, it just takes time, you know, and between everything, between the YouTube channel, the social media, the blog, and the book, and getting ready to start another book here soon, uh, my hands are uh, pretty much full, so I can't donate 100% of my time every single day just to the blog.
0: Right, I get it. I know. It's it, nowadays you have to be everywhere all at once, and uh, it's very difficult if you don't have a team. I don't have a team. I have to be. I have to do it all. And yeah, you, you can. It. Something's going to suffer if you devote it one in one direction. Uh, tell us about your book.
1: The book actually is called uh, uh, Stolen Memories. Now, the funny part about that is like when I came up with that title, I thought, oh, great. I've got a catchy title. It, it's uh, actually it's the, the two words speak the truth, because when you don't have your children, those are memories that were never created. So they were stolen from you. And it wasn't until after I uh, wrote the book and published it. I happened to do some searching there were like three or four other, uh, books in the same title or very similar to it. i my like, oh, Fred. so when they searched my book on Amazon, they have to put my name in there, David Schubert stolen memories, but what it is, it's, a it's a memoir book detailing from the time that's over a 20 year period, uh, when I met my former wife, um, raising his, uh, uh, her son, Uh, From the time he was just under two years old until he was about eight and a half. Uh, A little over eight years old, I should say. And then the birth of my daughter and and things like that. Unlike a lot of uh, memoirs that are out there where they try to keep their images squeaky clean. I wasn't about to do that because none of us are perfect. I put the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in there including things about myself that I'm not exactly proud of. But I mean, I wasn't a horrible person, but I felt it important to know the person that's uh, putting out the story. But also in my book, I also uh, put in uh, something there. I don't think anyone else does. Actual court orders, actual things, uh, of what I uh, said in court, emails, though I had to change the names and the email addresses um, you know, for certain purposes, but I put all that in there. So it adds credibility that, Hey, he's not embellishing. He's actually telling the truth about this stuff, you know? And, um, so yeah, we launched out a few weeks ago, as far as publishing and, um, seems to be going along pretty good. You know, people are receptive of it.
0: That's great. That's great. So you never, did you ever adopt her son?
1: No, I would have liked to um, eventually, uh, but there was something off about her. Um, and I noticed about a year uh, into our relationship of living together, um, I'd started noticing that uh, she had anger issues, she had uh, extreme mood swings, um, all this stuff. I mean, I never knew. I mean, I remember, uh, as an example, It was a Valentine's Day. Uh, We were gonna go out uh, to to a Valentine's Day party. And this is how volatile she could be. Uh, I was already dressed. We'd already uh, made uh, arrangements uh, for uh, her son. Um, She was upstairs in the bathroom putting on her makeup and was having a nice conversation, you know? And all of a sudden it was like a light switch. And she went from having a nice conversation to yelling and screaming at me. It's like, what in the heck just happened here? Needless to say, that uh, evening was ruined. You know, and and the longer it went on, the more often she would uh, have her mood switch. the more uh, angry she'd become, the longer it would last. Actually, towards the end, I could not go a single day without her yelling and screaming at me, calling me names, and it would last for two and three weeks non-stop you know and i remember um uh, i had asked her when uh in the beginning i said, i'm not a doctor i don't proclaim to but i looked it up on the internet you know about what's happening i said i'd like to see if you'd uh, consider talking to a therapist because i think you may be bipolar Oof, wrong thing to say she has uh, she's going up the stairs she's said. Uh, screaming at me I'm not crazy and calling me names again and that lasted for about a week you know and it's like uh-huh I don't think I'm going to bring that topic up again you
0: can't you know, tell like, them that there's anything wrong with them because they literally cannot see <laughs> it. they can't see that anything's wrong with them so uh it doesn't there's no point in telling them who they are or what you've discovered they are because mm-hmm. they're not going to get it um that's for your you know, and you learned. You learned. It's it's really for your knowledge only. But um no, it's narcissist narcissism. And the and what she did on Valentine's Day was, and this is something all narcissists do, they sabotage events. So here mm-hmm. you were, everything was ready to go, and she had to sabotage it and ruin it.
1: Right. And that's and why she it that with, a... And she did that with two thirds of our holidays.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they do that. They do that, they sabotage everything. Uh, And it's, it's difficult as an adult to deal with that, but when they do this to children and children are anticipating something, expecting something, a trip or whatever it is, and then their world comes crashing down because the parent says, well, you don't deserve it. You aren't good and you don't deserve it and that's why we're not doing it or whatever. And they always blame either the partner you know the spouse or the children for the fact that that they are deliberately sabotaging the event
1: right and um i kind of relate that in such a way as it goes back back to the control issues Mm -hmm. um, that they want to control because these people they want to control every aspect of their life and everyone in it Mm -hmm. uh, from uh, their home their uh, children to their spouse to their work environments and so In controlling uh, these people in their life, it's not just physically controlling them. It's controlling them mentally and emotionally. And that can start while you're uh, together, you know, uh, the mental and emotional control. Now, you know, when we look at that, uh, we meet someone. And I've talked to a lot of folks over the years. And, you know, they always ask uh, themselves the question is, you know, did I do something wrong? Did i deserve it why is this person that uh, i once loved and uh, said they loved me uh, doing these things to me and uh, you know am i to blame it's like no don't be embarrassed don't be uh, blaming yourself for this stuff you happen to be unlucky enough to rope into you know an alienator a narcissist someone it can uh, happen to anybody exactly
0: they're very good
1: Right. And you can never spot them because they have this mask of deception that they have up on their face and they cinch it up so close that uh, you can't recognize them. And it's only at the point that um, they're about to lose uh, the control over you through divorce or separation that that mask really starts to slip down and they reveal themselves for who they really are.
0: Yes. Um when I'm talking to someone who's uh, anticipating leaving a narcissist um I always advise them you haven't seen anything yet you think this person's a monster now wait mm-hmm. until it becomes a legal battle just wait you haven't seen anything and there and most people will say oh no he or she would never do that You know they're never going to hurt me they're never going to hurt the children and i'm like yeah they will (laughs) they will and people are like nah not mine you don't know mine i'm like i know all of them (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's uh it's all the way across the board they get vicious they Uh, do mm -hmm. you know um so you never adopted your stepson yet you were awarded custody of him
1: I was because I had raised him since right before he was uh, two years old up until the time of the abduction. By then, he was uh, eight years old. And so I was awarded back in 2009. uh, I was awarded the title of psychological parent because I was the only father figure that he'd ever known because his real father had died before he was even born. And And so because the courts had uh, named me that, once it came time for modification of parental responsibilities they included him in it
0: wow well, that's amazing because that doesn't always happen you know if you don't have a formal adoption of the child it's often <laughs> difficult to get the court to side you know to um be on your side
1: right Side in your behalf. But... Well, that goes back to that judge. He makes me psychological parent, but yet he's going, well, you know what? You can't have the children. I'm giving them back to the mom. It's kind of like, gee, how does that work, you know? You know, you scratch your head at some of the reasoning and decisions of the judges. I
0: know. You know? It's... Um people really people going through this really need professional help they really need to talk to people who've experienced it and know how to guide them through this because you will get it wrong this there's nothing logical it's all counterintuitive if you Mm -hmm. if you navigate this process using logic you're going to get it all wrong and you're going to be Mm -hmm. really sorry right so Um, what what would you say to because I know the indoctrination begins long before the uh, the, the abduction or the alienation happens it, it's it's done for a long long period of time what would you say to parents who are staying in abusive marriages for the children
1: get out run for the hills as fast as you can. You know, um, because all you're doing is creating a worst environment not just for yourself, but also for your children. Because what's happening here, part of the alienation uh, process um, begins even when you're still uh, married. Uh, A lot of folks uh, don't recognize this. But when your spouse um, is belittling you, starting uh, initiating arguments in front of the children, or bad mouthing you uh, behind your back to the children. You know, that's where the alienation process begins. It just uh, intensifies after you guys are no longer living together. So your best bet is get out of it because you're gonna cut that part out as far as the bad uh, belittling and belittling you in front of the children, the arguments. They don't need to hear all this nonsense.
0: Exactly. Um, when When you're married to an abuser, there's no way to stay. You have to go. And especially if there's children. Um, mm-hmm. It's not about keeping the children in an intact family because you don't have an intact family. That's an illusion. It's not really there. And there's, it's never going to get better, but it's guaranteed to get worse.
1: It will. And, uh, you know, one thing that, uh, depending on the severity of it, I mean, let's face it, all couples have arguments, right? Um, you've had arguments with your spouse, I've had it with mine, everybody in the world does. That's accepted. You know, but when it goes uh, to, from uh, family arguments into abusive arguments or abuse uh, in general, be it emotion- emotionally, mentally, psychologically, And in some cases, even physically, you know, uh, and you know that you're the good parent. You still want your children to be in their lives. But yet, uh, when you recognize all all these signs, you need to pick up the phone and call the police and file a report for this type of domestic abuse. You know, men uh, are just as much victims as what the women are. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, but they're too embarrassed. Like, oh, I'm I'm a guy. I I should never call the police and say that my five foot two wife just uh, yelled at me and called me names or hit me. You know, they're just as uh, much a victim as women are. And if the women are experiencing this, call them. If you know your marriage is over and you uh, feel that, you know, they're going to try to do everything to destroy your relationship with your children get some backup call the cops
0: mm-hmm. it's good to have it's good to have the police reports in many cases when the targeted parent the good <clears> parent <throat> the good spouse however we want to call that person when they if they call the, the police the narcissist will turn it around and the parent who calls ends up getting arrested i've seen this so many times So you've got to make sure you're in a situation where you can't be then accused because I've seen they they will throw their head into walls and bang it and get bruises. They will break limbs. They'll do anything to make you look Mm -hmm. like you're the abuser and, um, it can get really out of hand. So, you know, all in all, don't wait for this to happen. If you're seeing that you're being emotionally, mentally, psychologically abused, and physical is obvious. The emotional abuse is not obvious, but let me tell you something. It's worse because you don't even know what's happening to you. You have no idea you're being abused and brainwashed. You don't know. So um, you're functioning like you're, you know, like you're yourself, but you're really not. You're really not. Um, So if somebody is planning to contemplating leaving a marriage with some, with a narcissist, let's say, because they are going to be alienators. If there's children, is there anything that you can do with the children to protect them from what's going to happen when they spend time with that parent?
1: Yes, there is. There's a number of things um, that that I actually encourage uh, folks to do. When you see this going on, now, not all states allow it, but I know in Colorado and many states, it's a one, per, a one person authorization where you can actually record your conversation with someone else. And it is admissible in the court of law, but you have to find out what the laws are regarding this type of admissible you know, recording in the courts. Now, the next thing you want to do is save all of your emails because I know that, uh, some people, when they're in the argumentative stage and they're trying to separate themselves, even living in the same house, instead of uh, arguing, they'll go ahead and email each other back and forth and say, well, this, you know, you really made me mad today. And you know what? I think you're a jerk. I think that, you know, whatever. Keep all those emails. Your, what you send them, what you receive from them, same thing with all your text messages. Now, if you're already out of the house, um, you want to go ahead and keep it. Well, actually, even while you're in house, you want to keep a journal of everything that's transpiring. You know, just so you can keep it fresh in your mind. You can let the authorities know what's happening. You let the courts know about it, along with your uh, attorney. But after you leave the house, let's say you're granted certain visitation rights. Don't go there by yourself. Instead, you know, uh, choose a place to meet that's public and you meet there but have someone else with you as a witness to whatever may or may not transpire until uh, things get uh, settled and stuff. Mm-hmm. So is there are there, a number of ways to protect yourself. Is
0: there any, is there any way to, uh, other than um, recording or keeping a record of the incidents, is there any way to prep the children mentally psychologically for what they're, for the, um, for the manipulation they're about to experience because, uh, narcissists will use guilt and they generally will choose a very sensitive child and really make that child feel responsible for them. And it's real hard to break that child from that feeling that they must take care of the parent. So do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. First thing is that don't become the same type of person that uh, hates you, the narcissist or the alienator or whatever they are. You know, don't stoop to their level by bad mouth the other parent. They already hear enough of it about you. They don't need to hear it uh, from uh, the parent that loves them the most. All right. Mm-hmm. So either don't talk about the other parent or whatever, but at the same time, Constantly remind your child that, hey, you know what, no matter what happens, I'm still your mom, I'm still your dad, I love you, and I'm always going to be here for you uh, for whatever reason that you may need me. Don't be afraid uh, to come to me when you uh, need something, whether you just want to talk, whether you want to have a problem, whatever. If you have a concern on your mind, I'm here for you. Now, one of the things there, I've got a friend of mine, her name is Carla Lee over there in um, in Australia. She runs a, a deal for uh, alienated children. And I remember several years ago, Carla had mentioned there and she even posted on her website that I thought was brilliant. I wish I had known about it earlier on. But she says, one thing you can do, you may not get your children back in the time frame that you want. It may be into the adult stages. However... Take yourself a shoe box, cut a hole in the lid. And much like a postal box, every holiday, every Christmas, every birthday, get a card, write it, you know what you're gonna put in there, and put their name on it, and who's from, and the date, and put it in that shoe box. And when the time comes, you can take that shoebox full of all those cards and letters you've been saving up and you can give them to your child. Yeah and uh, let them know that you know what all these years you thought i forgot about you and and didn't love you here i want you to have this now
0: i love that i think um one of the things that parents in this in these situations um what they tend to do because they think it's going to help is they feel victimized and they tend to blame the child why are you doing this to me don't you love me? I love you. Uh, I've always loved you. He doesn't love you. She doesn't love you, but I love you. What are you doing? You're breaking my heart. All of these kind of things. And writing these long letters to the kids and, you know, trying to reason with them, but that's not the way to approach it. The way to approach it is to be completely focused on the child's needs. Like you're saying, don't say you're hurting me or why are you doing this to me? Like you said, Dave, you say, I'm here for you. I will always be here for you. You can come to me at any time with anything and keep it like that. Because if you start focusing on yourself, you're going to lose them. You push them further away.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's got to be about the children. And the thing is what a lot of parents don't seem to understand. Is they think okay the alienator's done their job? My child hates me. They're screaming at me. They're calling me names. They're doing all this stuff. Um, I'm going to tell them right now: your children don't hate you. You have to understand what the children have gone through with the alienator. You know, um, you know they're very much controlled by the alienator. They're being fed all these uh, vicious lies about you. When they're acting out in an abusive manner towards you, it's not through hate. It's because they want to, to know that someone loves them. You know, because they know in, deep inside the alienator does not love them. Mm-hmm. So they're when they're uh, doing this, it's more of a challenge to you as the, the, the loving parent. They're going, hey, if you love me so much, prove it. And so it's up to you to uh, rebuttal that. Don't come off and uh, you know, like most people, okay, you're yawning at me. You're calling me names. I'm going to get ballistic back. Don't. Understand where they're coming from. Talk to them in a reasonable manner and say, you know, I don't know where this anger coming from, which we obviously do, but that's not what you're going to tell the children. I don't know where this anger's coming from, but just know that I'm, I'm here for you, you know, and I love you.
0: And that's not going to be... An instantaneous you're not gonna get an instantaneous result necessarily. But that yeah. message needs to be consistent because that you are I mean what you said is absolutely right, Dave. They know who loves them. They know who doesn't. <laughs> and they have to work harder for the one who doesn't love them. Right. They know. Even if they're even if they're alienating you and they won't talk to you, they still know you love them.
1: Right. And they just want you to prove to them because the alienator has already proven they, they don't really love them. That it's just a false love,
0: Right. you know,
1: and so they need someone to prove to them that I'm worthy of someone's love, you know. And so you're right. It's not it's not an overnight fix. It's going to take time. It's going to, you know, it could take years.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can. So let's talk about the left behind parent. Mm-hmm. And how, you know, I know that parental alienation is epidemic, it's everywhere. How common is the left-behind parent or the abduction?
1: Actually, more prevalent than what you'd realize. Really? I know in uh, these parental abductions happen all the time. Tens of thousands of children just in the US alone are abducted by one parent or the other. They're taken across town, taken across state lines, um, you know, whatever. Internationally speaking, it's a little under a thousand people, which uh, a thousand children, I should say, that are abducted to another country. Now, arriving at this, it's less than a thousand. That's only for the ones that are reported. You know, because there is for every child that's abducted internationally, there's another one that is not reported by the left behind parent. So it's actually more prevalent than what you might think nationally and internationally. I mean, I think I read, if I'm not mistaken, there is annually in the United States, there's upwards of 80,000 children abducted each year in the U.S. Alarming and our laws aren't toughening up enough to do something about it now it's funny you should bring that up i did one of my youtube videos that i uh, outlined a lot of information not just for international abductions but also for national and outlines what you need to do before it happens when it happens and after it happens and it's called if you go to youtube options of a left behind parent
0: okay great
1: you know and it even uh, puts up there who you need to contact, be it local law enforcement, the FBI, the Hague Convention, uh, a National Center for Missing Exploited Children. So it's got all the resources that you need to have mm-hmm. for, for an instance of abduction.
0: Right. And always keep, make sure that you have the, the birth certificates and passports in your um you know that you can access them never let the other one parent should not have this complete access to it you need to because if if they have the passports and you don't well
1: exactly (laughs) Uh, and that's what I explained in the video that I was just mentioning uh keep copies of uh, everything for law enforcement purposes you want to know the age of your child their birth date their uh, hair color their height their weight um, all that stuff, but also have uh, copies of uh, their passport, their birth certificate, you know, anything. And then also keep a journal of what you see that is happening. If you suspect it may occur, keep a journal in addition to those things that you want to have on hand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, the other thing about it is you want to have a copy of all the contacts that your spouse uh, has, mm-hmm. be it family, be it friends, be it uh, uh, con- uh, people that they know from another state, uh, you know, uh, internationally, whatever. Yeah. Because the more you can give law enforcement, the better your chances uh, that they can retrieve your child quickly, you know. But if they don't know where to look, it's like, gee, uh, where do I start?
0: That's really, really important. Really good point. Did um, Did your ex-wife have their passports or was she able to just get them out without them?
1: my uh uh, no actually uh, what had happened was that uh, when it came time for the birth of my uh, daughter um obviously uh, we'd gotten passports Uh, she was able to get a a passport from where uh, my daughter was and my stepson already had a passport because they were uh, they were born overseas but they had to be able to get back to the united states
0: they were they were born overseas yeah you know
1: but raised is here
0: where was your daughter born australia okay but that's your daughter right correct now did she give birth to your daughter in australia or did she have that's what happened
1: yeah we were living in montana at the time and because we didn't have health insurance it was cheaper to send her back to australia to give birth to my daughter Uh, because the government over there would have taken care of all the expenses. We did that. She came back, um, you know, and I uh, got her registered as a dual national, you know.
0: Wow. (laughs) So you never saw that baby until she brought it back.
1: Which was uh, right after the birth, a few weeks later, you know, when my baby was able to uh, travel.
0: She's... You know i'm sure if you could retrace your your steps you would see a lot of things that you could have changed but you can't you can't you have to deal with what is right now
1: yeah and um here's the thing about this is that if i could change things yeah would i become the man that i am today no um for that respect i look at this uh geez i I could have had my children in my life uh, sooner if I'd have just called the police and had her arrested at the time of the abduction, and I wouldn't be going through all this. However, you know, because of everything that's happened, I've now um, been able to find out that, uh, well, before it actually happened, I never even knew what the term parental alienation or parental abduction were. I, you know, and when I did, it's like, nah, these things happen to other people, you know, they don't happen to me you know, but so I learned these terms and I learned how much it affects other people from all over the world. And so it allowed me to, you know, reach out and touch uh, people through my reflective article writings. It uh, allowed me to write that book. It allowed me to put up the blog. It allowed me to start up the YouTube videos and connect with people all over. And, And would I change that? No, because Maybe I'll never hear about it uh, most times, but maybe I've changed someone's life or helped them uh, through a bad patch.
0: Yes, I, I so get that. And you almost in these situations, you almost have to make something good out of it um, mm-hmm. or you're going to just wither and wither up and die. I mean, you've got to take the situation and you've got to make something positive out of it if it's because you know chances are it's not going to go your way but you did the right thing and you've been how many years have you been doing this uh activism kind of work
1: since uh 2016 I was living down here in Panama uh Central America at the time and it was funny uh because you know even though I had sole custody And it took three years before the uh, folks overseas decided to start enforcing uh, child support where I was gonna start receiving it. Well, it uh, got her a little upset and hot under the collar. So she went to the Australian uh, courts and stuff trying to get that uh, dismissed. So while I'm in Panama in 2015, 2016, you know, I attend court hearings Uh, over there via telephone and I tell the judge I says here's the deal on this you guys don't have jurisdiction you guys relinquished it you know I didn't accept it Colorado has jurisdiction of this I have sole custody of the children I have valid court orders um you know and uh, all this other stuff you know the judge did she said I don't care She's got physical custody of the kids. You might have uh, legal custody, but she's got physical custody. I said, yeah, because she's holding them illegally. She said, I don't care. I'm not going to make her pay child support anymore. Wow. Well, I'm like, oh, my God. And so I'm scratching my head again, like I did with that first judge. It's like, what kind of drugs are you taking to make you rule in, against the law? Mm-hmm. You know, but there's nothing you can do about it. Uh you can try to appeal it and it'll cost you another five or ten thousand. So I wound up accepting, had to accept the, what she did. And, um, but it made me very angry. And that's where all of this stuff uh, started happening. I was actually, for lack of a better term, I was pissed off. And it was like, you know what? I'm not going to stand it for it anymore. I'm going to let the world know. Uh, was happening but instead of uh, doing that I started writing these reflection articles you know and as I started writing them I come to find out that the these things I was writing were nothing more than a mirror to what other folks are feeling and experiencing and things like that and so I started gaining a a following all over you know so that's what started this activism stuff so I can thank the ex-wife for that you know for uh, doing all this and no it's not over i'm still uh, now she's trying to come after me all these years later after my daughter came back she's trying to get me to have pay child support backdating it how old, back. how old
0: are these kids now
1: oh they're aged out but she wants to go back to 2000 and uh, uh, you know 11 you know when i was awarded so custody so i've got that court hearing coming up next month again um, you know, and uh, it's like crazy.
0: She just wants to keep so, up, keep hassling you, harassing you, and making you have to pay.
1: Well, these people, you have to understand, the two biggest things that they uh, enjoy in life. Okay, number one is the money. They all have that commonality that it, it, they they have to have money, and they don't care where it comes from. It can come from the government, come from the job, it can come from screwing people out of their money by not paying their bills. It can come from their former spouse, which they like more than anything, because it allows them uh, to get revenge over a failed relationship and put the screws to them harder because they love to see you uh, squirm. But also it's another way of, like we were talking earlier, it's a way of regaining and maintaining a certain level of control over their former spouse, which in this case is mental and emotional, but also financially.
0: Yeah, financial is a big, big part of it. It's what keeps people stuck in these relationships,
1: Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. really
0: aren't relationships. I call them emotional hostage situations, because they're not relationships that you have with these people. Um, This is horrific. And uh, children are never the same after this. No, they're not.
1: Well, that's the bad part about it. And um, if the courts wake up and smell the coffee, they'll realize uh, uh, what alienation is and accept the, the term alienation, parental alienation, and then educate themselves on when they rule erroneously the effects on the children of the alienation. Because let's face it. Depending upon the level of alienation that's going on, it could be mild. It could be uh, medium uh, level. It could be extreme. And it also depends on how many years it's been going on. What timeline? Well, the children that are experiencing this, um, it confuses them and they're having to search out their own own self uh, being. So it could be that they, um, you know, will react with temper tantrums because they're frustrated over this situation. It can go into rebellion against authority figures earlier than normal sexual expo- exploration, uh, uh, drug and alcohol abuse. It can even, uh, I read a report here, though it didn't uh, get uh, into specifics today. What is it? Eighty percent of the people that are incarcerated in the United States come from a single parent home at one point in their life. Now, it never got into whether uh, they were an alienated child or what. It just said, you know, so that's the importance of having two parents in a child's life. But, you know, also the other thing about being alienated is that these children, they grow up thinking that what their uh, parent uh, has been doing to the other parent is normal and accepted. So they wind up bringing these same, you know, things into their future relationships because they think it's normal. So the cycle repeats itself.
0: That is so true. What a great point. So for those who are listening and um, want to reach out to you, how do they go ahead and do that?
1: Well, the easiest way, because I know everyone's on it. They can go to Facebook so I'm on at facebook.com forward slash hopeful father, or they can go to the blog, which is uh, a you know, but they can also even go to, um, you know, YouTube and watch some of the videos, which I'm kind of a novice on that. So it much like yourself. You didn't start off perfect when you got in front of the camera, um, but they can go to a parenting affair on YouTube on that. Or even LinkedIn, for that matter.
0: Right. And if they write to you, you'll write back, right?
1: Oh, I do. fact is, I have uh, someone this morning that uh, wants uh, to uh, uh, touch base with me. Um, You know, I said, well, you know, after the podcast, I'll go ahead and get with you. Just go ahead and (laughs) send me over uh, the information and stuff. And I gave her my email address uh, for a parenting affair. Okay. So when they do uh, reach out and say, hey, I need to talk to you or can you uh, d- d- do whatever, I always am there.
0: That's great. And your book, um, is that on Amazon and um, or is it just through your website?
1: No, it's on Amazon. Um, it's uh, If they type in um, Stolen Memories and in my name, David R. Schubert, and that's uh, S-H-U-B-E-R-T, okay. David R. Schubert, Stolen Memories, they'll find it. And they can do it in, in uh, e-book. They can do it in paperback. They can do it in hardcover. And I've got someone who wants to take it into audio. But now here's the thing about it. With that e-book version, there's a promotion that starts up on Monday. Uh, ninety nine for oh. the e-book. And yeah. it's going to go on for just one week.
0: Okay. Well, that's real. I'm glad that we were able to catch that here. For anybody that's listening, that's good. Okay, guys, you know, listeners, go out and get a book. You can't beat (laughs) $1.99. Can't get anything for less than that. So Dave, um, thank you. It's really been great chatting with you. And and you have such uh, important things to tell people. You know, you have a lot of great advice and great tips. And, you know, it's important that People going through this don't feel like they're alone. They are not alone. They don't realize it. Um, But knowing that you're there, that they can talk to you or read what you write or, you know, just have that comfort is just uh, such a great feeling for people. So I thank you for being my guest today. Really great show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, All right. We'll be talking, I'm sure.